0: Entrepreneurship is great, but can also seem overwhelming. Wouldn't you like to know the pros, opportunities, and problems with different business and investment strategies before you jump in? Well, then, welcome to Entrepreneurship Expose. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship Expose. What is good, everybody? I hope everyone's having a great day. We are back again and we are going to have an amazing conversation with a good friend of mine today, right? Now, this guy, it's ironic. At at one point, I knew of the topic that he spoke about, but I was like, ah, man, I'm not gonna worry about it. Then he knew of the topic I spoke about. He was like, ah, yeah, that's not for me. Now, (laughs) together, (laughs) and he's in my mentorship, learning how to acquire businesses, because he used to think that acquiring a business is gonna buy himself a job, and then he realized, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't. So his mind was blown once he saw what we talk about. And it's the same thing on the reverse for me, because I was like, oh, well, I'm already doing self-directed IRA. I'm already doing this. I'm already doing that. I don't need the infinite banking also. And then in the last year, my mind has completely changed on that. I realized the true power of it. So today we are going to expose the industry of insurance, in particular, infinite banking, with my guy, Hassani Houston. Hassani, welcome, bro. How you doing? What's going on, brother? Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And you're oh, absolutely yeah. right. Is that right. You know, I just thought of that right now. I just thought of yeah. you know it. It was always kind of the same thing back and forth with our different topics. And I think that's also another reason why we resonate well, because we're talking about things that people tend to, at least in certain communities, tend to overlook. That way. They, yep. they feel like, oh, that's not for me. I can't do that. Right. So, yep. and we completely underestimate the power of insurance. All right. 100%. Now, now I saw. I'm I gonna start off by there's a meme or uh, no, it wasn't a meme. It was like a video that I saw on I think it was on Instagram, and it said something where the guy was like, "If every person of color was to get like a huge life insurance policy, then I bet you the killings would go police down. killings and things like yeah. that would almost go away. Not just because the police don't want to pay out anything, or just because of you know anything like that, but only because the power the insurance companies have. Correct. To lobby, to stop certain things, to make true reform and true change. Correct. So what's your thoughts on that?
1: So I do think people underestimate the ability of insurance companies to lobby and to put financial backing behind things. And that is what he was talking about in reference to that. It wouldn't be out of the goodness of their heart business interest. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, traditionally speaking, when it comes to insurance, Car insurance, but I work on the life insurance side, so let me talk to you about terms specifically. Two percent of term policies actually pay out, that means out of a hundred policies, only two people die, and the insurance company has to pay them. So that means they're receiving 98 percent of the money and never have to pay anything back on it. So if you mess up their numbers and just go up to five or ten percent, not 25, just five or ten, that's going to cause a stir. Where they're going to tell some people hey we need to make sure we change some laws so we can protect our interests see a lot of people don't know the bread and butter of insurance is it only pays out if you expire or pass away within the timeline that you have it and as we all know term is the cheapest insurance out there but it's also renting insurance if you don't pass away within the timeline you have it then the company doesn't have to do anything but they get all that money multiply a hundred dollars by 300 million people right That's what you're looking into now. They said only 60% of the population has insurance. So even if we want to say 300 million times 60%, whatever that number might be, if we're thinking about it from that perspective, that's how much money the industry is making on a consistent basis from term alone.
0: Okay. Okay. Here's a funny thing, right? That's interesting when you think of the numbers. Now I remember, so I'm, you know, this is an entrepreneurship podcast and I remember one of my first companies I tried to start after coming out of college. Yeah. And I can't even remember what the name is right now because I didn't get too far through the business plan and uh, getting uh, funding for it. I didn't know the power of credit then. I thought the only way to start a business was to either have angel investors or and oh, go through the VC ass. capital route or to create a super in-depth business plan and then take it to the banks for an SBA loan. You know, now yeah. I know better that there's other ways to start a business. However, right. this one... My intention, if I remember correctly, it may have been Chris Rock who made a joke saying that insurance is like just in case or something like that. And then he said, well, if nothing happens and I don't get in an accident, shouldn't I just get my money back, too, or something like that? And I remember saying, why isn't it like that? So my whole business model was, "Okay, we're going to create an insurance company that we give the money back at the end of the year if you don't get, you know, don't have any claims or anything like that. Right. And I thought that that was a great thing to do. And then I had a, a bunch of other programs and solutions within it that was planned, you know, as products and services to actually sell. But I found it extremely difficult to break into that industry. Now, it could be yes. because I was really new, really newbie, you know, <laughs> coming out of college. And it's not delusions of grandeur. It's just that, you know, I didn't know how to execute on things. But do you feel like the insurance industry is kind of like a little mafia where you can't get into it? And then they pretty much got a stranglehold on your life because hey, we gonna you pay us nonstop
1: and nothing happened. We still collecting money, All right? So yeah, think about the industry overall. So if we're speaking of it from a perspective where you want to come in and be B's insurance, where you are actually an insurance company offering life insurance to clients, not as a salesperson but as an insurance company, then yes, you're looking at competition in that sense because. What happened is back in the day, before the 70s, you had insurance. So Prudential, for example, Prudential had big products and then Prudential had Prudential agents. New York Life had big products and New York Life agents. And after a while, if you looked at all the numbers, there was like a big five or something like that. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. So if you wanted to get in, they'd give you a piece of like the small market cap of, let's say, 5-10%, but you couldn't get in their market cap. They're blocking that out. To the point where they had relations with the Department of Insurance. They have relations with the uh, heads of state. They have rela- So all the relations tied all the way up to D.C., right? And one of the things that happened is if you look at the history of, of a man by the name of A.L. Williams and the way he came into business and started uh, basically selling. He's the one who started the concept, sell, turn, by the difference. Or he made it popular. Let me say that. He didn't start it. He made it popular. If you look at his story and what the insurance companies were doing against him at that time, that lets you know how the industry was. The industry was definitely mafia-like, absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay,
0: so it's interesting that because this country is not a country, the country is a a corporation, right? So everything benefits the corporations in different ways, right? Now, Mm -hmm. so, okay, we know insurance is something that people neglect. People only think of insurance as two things. Hey, my death benefit insurance and yep. my health insurance that I get from my company that I'm working for, or something like that, right? Yes. Now we—I've learned that is way more than that. And one of the yeah, examples yeah. that I love to give is if you take the richest CEOs of the biggest companies in the world, they—you they, know—some of them take like a one-dollar salary. Yep. And then they have a huge insurance policy. Yep. And most people don't realize why that is. Could you shed some light on that before we get into what infinite banking actually
1: is? Absolutely. So one of the places you guys could go to so that you don't have to just take my word for it is uh, Fortune 500 companies are public companies. So the information is public. What that means is you can look up how much an executive is getting compensated. You can look up their salary. You can look up their bonuses, all that stuff. All you have to do is go to Google and type in whatever company you want proxy statement. So GE proxy statement, 2020, Disney proxy statement, and it gives you a full report of everything that you're looking at. So then you can go look at the executives. And one of the things that they're doing is, so everything is about taxes and tax management. In other words, which income gets taxed the highest? Well, that's your W-2 income. So if I could find a way to defer or minimize my earned income and get more on the capital gain side through bonuses and SEC bonuses and all those type of things. So now if I'm getting that kind of stuff, well, now my taxes are are lower than what I would have paid if I took all that in my wages. That's one. Then two, when we're talking about putting that money in insurance, there's a term called COLI, C-O-L-I. Coley stands for Corporate Owned Life Insurance. What you're able to do is you're able to put your money inside of an insurance plan at large premiums, and then you could just borrow against it. And so now you're sheltering your money inside the account. It can grow tax-free. But then when you want to pull that money out, you could pull it out tax-free. So again, it's all about tax management. How could I minimize my tax exposure when I'm receiving a higher income? So when you start seeing executives, they, you know, they're, they're doing strategies like that. It's not, that's not the only strategy, but that's one of the strategies.
0: There we go. So you already yeah. started to touch into the main benefit of infinite banking, right? And yes. that's they're able to borrow against their life insurance policy. In Particularly, why would they even do that? It's because, oh, it's not taxed following Correct. certain rules, right? Correct. So, Explain to the people, break it down. And you've done this as best as I've seen in the industry in terms of breaking down what infinite banking really is, because I had heard about it for uh, at least a year before I met you. And as people broke it down to me, I just never really got it. It never really,
1: you know, hit. So Uh, yeah, break it down for everybody. What is infinite banking overall? Yes. Yes, thank you. So first off, I appreciate that compliment. That means a lot, right? Because I strive to make things simple. The best way I can say this for everybody is think of it this way. We want to put ourselves in a position where we're no longer the customer of the bank. We are the bank. That's the first thing you want to do because if you don't have that mindset to go with it, then there's no way you're going to execute properly. I can relate that to if you start associating with Bees more, if you guys were a part of his broke program, one of the things he talks about is you got to start learning how to think like an investor with the ESBI chart or the cash flow quadrant. You can't think like an employee and a self employed person. You got to start thinking like an investor first and then learn how to work. Over your business, not on your business. That's a whole nother <laughs> program. But y'all, y'all gotta be a part of his mentorship to understand that. But here's my point: my point is when you start thinking that you are the bank, then your perception changes because now because we come into the bank as a customer, so we act different. But if you are the bank, here's what we know: when you give the bank money. A lot of us think it's a liability to, or or a lot of us think it's an asset to the bank. That's not true. Robert Kiyosaki taught us that assets add money to your pocket and and liabilities take money from your pocket. If we put money inside the bank, they got to pay us interest. So the bank is in charge of flipping that money and turning their liabilities into assets. So now I said all that. Let me get to the answer. What is infinite banking? Infinite banking is our ability to leverage life insurance companies so that we can spend the same dollar twice again. Infinite banking is our ability to leverage life insurance companies so we can earn interest on the same dollar twice or spend the same dollar Mm -hmm. twice. That's all we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's all we're doing. And it's a concept. How that works. It's a concept, not a product. 100%. If you call a company up and say, hey, I want one of those infinite banks, they're going to laugh you off the phone because Mm -hmm. it's not a product. It's Mm -hmm. a concept that you execute through life insurance.
0: And it would not be term life
1: insurance. No, you can't do it with uh, term life insurance. It has to be a form of a permanent life insurance because permanent life insurance has a savings account attached to it. The reason why that's important is because with infinite banking, there's two cardinal rules. Number one, you cannot lose your money in the account. So in other words, you have to have some kind of savings with your account term doesn't have savings with it you're just renting the insurance that's it the other thing is with that savings it has to get a competitive rate of return where you're at least outpacing inflation so if you don't do those two things you can't mm-hmm. call it infinite banking even if you're trying to use other vehicle to do it
0: Ooh, now you're speaking spicy because inflation is what like nine percent now or something yes yeah, it's, it's, it's up
1: there it's up there ridiculous right we so over seven for sure over seven
0: so infinite banking if structured properly does it Adjust over time if because inflation wasn't at nine percent before. So is it dynamic and adjusts and outpaces inflation
1: overall? Great question. Generally speaking, the answer would be yes if you're setting it up properly. So what I mean by that is traditionally speaking, when you hear people talk about infinite banking, they're gonna connect you with they're gonna automatically identify that with whole life because of a gentleman by the name of Nelson Nash who came out with the book Becoming Your Own Banker, I believe. But but basically what that is, is you're putting your money inside of a whole life policy. You're going to get a guaranteed interest rate out as a foundation. Let's say it's three, four percent. And then you're going to get paid dividends behind that, which could be another three to four percent. Now, if we do the math on that, that's seven, eight percent. And So let's just round up and say 10 percent at best. I've been ruffling some feathers. I've been going against the grain of the traditionalists, and I've been showing people how to utilize infinite banking with index universal life. The reason why I do that is because conceptually, whole life and index universal life are cousins, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, they work the same with the uh, the tax codes. Your money can grow tax-free, you can pull it out tax-free, and uh, you can pass it on tax-free. All that's the same. The difference is the savings is, now it's tied to the S&P 500. So mm-hmm. when it's tied to the S&P 500, when the market goes up, you earn money. But when the market drops, Remember, we said we have to make sure our our money's protected. We cannot lose money in the account if we're going to be utilizing infinite banking. So with index universal life, guess what? You have insurance on your money. So basically, when the market goes up, you earn with the market. But when the market falls, your account's going to lock in that value. Guarantee don't lose a dime. And then when the market goes back up, you earn with the market again. In short, what happens is... You have the ability to get the market returns in your account, which means it's dynamic and it it will adjust.
0: Now, you know, I know the answers to some of these questions because you and I have spoken before, but I did not know that. And and I love that. That is real spicy. That's something that everybody needs to pay attention to because, you know, there's not many things out there that can outpace inflation and protect you when things drop. That's really interesting. That's really interesting.
1: Well, um, well, let me give this to you. Let me give this to you just real quick. When we say you are now the bank, one of the things that we have to pay, I mean that for real. So let's let's put it to you like this. The bank, don't they insure their money? Yes. That's the insurance. Yes. Right? The problem is, is it's only insured up to a quarter million dollars. So we're skipping the bank. We're not going to the bank. We're going to go directly to the insurance companies and get insured dollar for dollar. At worst case, some companies Ooh. will insure you 80%. So now with that being said, if your money's insured as if you're the bank, now when you're taking these market returns, but, uh, based off market performance, you're not taking either risk or the or the losses.
0: You know, and you've said that many times too before. You said you are the bank. And I say it too. I tell people you are the yeah. bank. But I yeah. never really, really thought about what that means <laughs> like, because right. yes, you're insuring your money. Oh, that's, that's awesome. This is awesome. I love this, man. This is yes. important things for people to understand. Now, yes. I want to give a, a little model because this helped me to understand it uh, the best when you first explained it to me. I think it'll help our listeners for this. So in infinite banking, the way that it's structured, and you correct me if I'm wrong at any point, of course, Asani, you have one side that is the money that you're putting in that is earning interest. Mm-hmm. And if you take money out, borrow against your own bank, that money that's still in there keeps earning the interest as if the, as if the money was not taken out as long as you follow certain rules yep. right so yep. that's one channel of infinite banking is the money you're putting in is growing with interest and depending on how you have it set up you only have to be putting money in for a certain period of time let's say maybe 10 years but then it keeps growing after that right
1: correct correct
0: the other side is the death benefit the part that most people think of when they think of life insurance right? It's the death benefit. You pass, you have a specific level of benefit that's paid out. That also continues growing or is it just getting to one level and it stops and only one channel grows?
1: Good question. So that's only dependent on how you set it up. You'll hear this in the buy term, investor difference community because I use that as a scare tactic. What happens is, is there's two ways that you can set up your death benefit. You can set set up where it's stagnant, where it's just one level and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the cost of you doing or what's the benefit of that? If you put in... So think of the death benefit because, because see, we cannot think of this the traditional way we think of life insurance. Traditional way of thinking of life insurance, I want to put in the least amount of money for the biggest death benefit possible so that I'm good. With infinite banking, the, the thinking is literally the exact opposite. We're trying to put in as much money with as little death benefit as possible. So with, with that being mentioned, what happens is I tell people, think of death benefit like your water bottle, right? Right. If I have a 32-ounce water bottle, I cannot put a 32-ounce water bottle, I cannot put 64 ounces in or else the water is going to spill over. In this example, any water that spills over, now the IRS can tax it. As long as I keep enough water inside the water bottle and it never spills over, the IRS can't touch it. That's the rule. So what, so, so, when you set it up and you say, well, Sonny, I could put a million dollars in here, then we can set it up up front when we say, okay, we're going to get a death benefit worth $2 million. So that it's big enough to hold your million dollars of cash. Mm -hmm. And then it stays stagnant, right? The reason why that's important, if we keep it at 2 million, then the death benefit will never go up. Now we control the cost. So that's a benefit. The problem with that is that people will talk about, and this is a trade-off, when you pass away, if you have a million dollars cash and $2 million death benefit, when you pass away, your family only gets the 2 million. They don't get the cash value and the death benefit. So that's what happens if it's level. If it's increasing, we could say, okay, you're you're gonna put in a million and you have two million dollars of insurance, but we're gonna let it increase year to year. So now it can grow to 2.5 million, whatever the case may be. At that point, if you were to pass away, your family would get the death benefit and your cash value. They get both.
0: Okay, okay. But this is awesome. It's amazing how many people don't know this, right? It's amazing how how many people have a, a regular old life insurance policy and never even read. The details of the policy. And their contract. They, You're they, right. Exactly, they set it up, and then they just kind of forget about it. And even if you did read it in the beginning, sometimes you need to go back and check things later on. You know, you, you've had your, you've been paying your life insurance policy for a few years, and you just think, oh, it's just already set. Everything's good to go. No, there might be something that else that happened that triggered by something or whatever, and you have to pay attention to what's going on because it's 100%. the worst feeling to want it to use it. And then realize that, oh, there's something roadblock in your way at that moment because you need it then.
1: You know what? So in reference to that, I got to say this. There's been people that's told me they had life insurance and they didn't. They had accidental insurance. That is Mm -hmm. not the same thing.
0: That's like Aflac and those type of things, right?
1: Right. So so what happens is accidental insurance is there's a special condition that you have to die a certain way for them to pay out. You know, like, let's say I'm a construction worker. I have to die on the job and it has to be from a piece of metal hitting me. But if I slip and fall down a hole, then the the policy doesn't pay out. I'm exaggerating the conditions right now, but that's the example. And the mistake that I've seen people make is, oh, I have a million dollars. I'm covered. Read your contract. What does it say? And it'll tell you accidental insurance paid on the condition of, and that's it. It will not pay out any other way.
0: So we do have a question in the audience. Can you adjust that amount, the size of the water bottle, at any time or only at the beginning during establishment?
1: Good question. So the short answer is yes, you can adjust it at any time. because, But generally, it's once a year where you have your anniversary where you can say, okay, I want to change it to increase. So we've done that for clients before where we start out level for the control of the cost, and then we change to increasing because they're going to make more money on the back end later. So yes, to answer the question, yes,
0: you do. Yes, yes, got you, got you. So shifting slightly now, so we know that we need to have insurance. We also know that you could create wealth from structuring your insurance in a way that is uh, lets you get to infinite banking, right? Correct. But as an entrepreneur, we always got to take it back to entrepreneurship, right? Yes, as yes, an yes. entrepreneur, getting into the space of creating policies for people, what are the opportunities... For well, actually, we might as well. It may be time right now that we go into our pop segment, right? We got a pop. It is time to pop the infinite banking and insurance game. So we want to talk about the pros, the opportunities, and the problems of infinite banking and insurance, right? And especially from an entrepreneur perspective, if you're going to be creating policies, what would you say are the pros of infinite banking and insurance?
1: So you said, what are the pros for entrepreneurs? So I'll say it like this real quick. In the industry, life insurance is one of the most consistent industries to make money in. It's one of the best foundational industries to make money in that will lead you to the real estate to... And the reason why I say that is because when you come into the industry of insurance, by default, you learn about all the other industries, right? Real estate, investing, SEC, all all that kind of stuff. So it's a great foundational place to start. And then branch your way out entrepreneur wise. Now, how can an entrepreneur utilize infinite banking? One of the things that, as a matter of fact, you talked about this, your exit strategy, coming into a business and looking at your business as a product and understanding having an exit strategy in place. Again, being associated with bees, I learned how if I buy this type of business, I know my multiples and how much I can sell it for in the future. I can create an infinite bank today that will anticipate me selling my business in five years. Now, based on that, what will happen is, see, and this is a huge difference compared to the IRAs and things of that nature. With the IRA, the max is, and when we have self directed, I haven't looked at the self directed uh, maximums lately, but last time I checked, it was like 50, 60,000, something like that. 60,000. Yeah, so, but it's capped. So if I don't use it, I lose it. Done. With infinite banking, I can customize it. So let's say I have a business and I should be able to sell it for $5 million down the line, right? I can customize my policy. To where I can put in a million dollars a year for five years and be done. But mm. as a business owner, here's what we know: I'm not gonna have the five million. I'm not. I might not have a million in the first year. Mm. I might just have two hundred thousand, and mm. then I might have two hundred thousand next year, and then I might have two hundred thousand a year after that. I might only have two hundred thousand for all five years until I sell my business. So now, if we say that two hundred thousand times five is a million bucks. So mm-hmm. now I sell my business. Let's do it like this. If I put in 200,000, that means I have an $800,000 gap that mm-hmm. I didn't use. The biggest difference with infinite banking and traditional accounts is if I don't use that 800,000, it rolls into the next year. Mm-hmm. So now the next year, I could put in 1.6 million because 800 plus 800. Yeah. And then it rolled into the next year. I could put in, you get it. So now coming into the fifth year, if I didn't use all that money now, I could put in $4 million, no questions asked. Because remember, the other thing is, with infinite banking, everything is private. So they're not going to say, how did you get $4 million to put in? We designed it for this up up front. And they didn't require the payment up front. But now that I sold my business and I get all this cash, now I could dump $4 million in, no questions asked it immediately earns interest and I can borrow against it right away if I want to go invest in another
0: business. Ooh, ooh, spicy talk again. Let's go. I love it. I love it, man. Okay, so let's get to the next one. Next part of POP. So we went through pros, the opportunities, meaning new things are happening in the current events in the world, whatever. What are the opportunities out there for an entrepreneur with insurance and infinite banking? And I hope you do mention something about what we briefly discussed in terms of if you're acquiring businesses, what
1: you could do with oh, The uh, banking as well. But absolutely. you tell me got, what you think about. I, I got you, with. brother. I got you, I got <laughs> you. So uh, one of the first things when it comes to opportunity is we're getting ready to approach another recession. And they're talking about it's going to hit harder than any other recession we've came across, right? Mm. Uh, since 2008, let me say that. So there's two types of people when they get this information. One, they're panicking. The other one, they're preparing. How could you prepare for this type of uh, information? Well, if you were to have an infinite bank Now's the time to load up on cash. Let me give you an example of why. You can stash all your money. As a matter of fact, earlier this month, the stock market went haywire. It mm-hmm. dropped. So we had. So I even told my wife, I said, "Hey, go get a lump sum of cash and let's put it in our banks real quick." And the reason why is because let's say you put in a hundred grand, and the market takes a tank like it did earlier this month. Mm-hmm. Well, your cash is going to stay there, but then when the market gets ready to rebound, your account's going to reset at the bottom where the market went and then mm. on his climb up you take all those games home that mm. means right now there's an opportunity for you to make 60 70 80% because we work with companies It'll give you no cap on the earnings. So so right now when that market, so when the recession gets ready to hit, you're going to load up on the cash. It's kind of similar to to dollar cost averaging where you're constantly investing. And so whether the market's down or up, you're just buying more of the same asset when the market's down. It's similar to that, but you're going to load up even more when the market's down because you're trying to take a bigger share, right? And then when that market rebounds, it's going to pop back up. And now if it does 60, 70, 80% return, you take all of it home at no additional cost to you. So now you never lost when it dropped and you take it all back when it comes home. But see, if you're not aware of the opportunity of the market falling out like this, then you would even know to prepare for it. You know what I mean? So that's the first opportunity I would say. The second opportunity is when we get ready to go into a recession, that means businesses are going to go for sale. Yeah. Right. And they're going to go for sale for real cheap. Now, one of the things that can happen is when you come in and you buy a business, the first thing this is why I say we gotta we gotta uh, think like we're the bank. We're no longer thinking as if we are customers of the bank. Because mm-hmm. see, I was thinking I, I'm telling people think like the bank, and I messed up with my, my with my boy B's here, where he told me to buy a business. I was like, shoot, I ain't try to get another job. <laughs> I was thinking like the customer, but what the banks do is exactly what he talked about. They invest in the business and they hold those investments and then they decide to get rid of it later and cash in or they hold it through the term. So mm-hmm. now with that being said, what we could do is we could go out there and buy other businesses. But here's the key. When we buy a business, you could you also inherit the employees. And if you inherit the employees, they're already working in the business. They already do what they do. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what you could do? You could offer incentives to them to have them stay with you. What kind of incentives could you offer? You can get them all infinite banks for the executive suites. And all the money that you pay to the executives is a tax write-off for your company because it's called an executive bonus plan. Now, when that happens, that means you're saving money for your business, but you're incentivizing your leadership team to stay, and you can create a vesting period. So now you say, hey, I know we're getting ready to go into a recession, but I'm going to give you this extra money, but that means you've got to stay with me for three to five years in mm-hmm. order to receive it. If you don't stay with three, I keep the money. Just that simple, right? Now, the reason why this is important is because in contrast, if I was to just open up a regular 401k plan, whatever I do for my executives, I have to do for everybody else. It's going to bleed your business. Because see, when you open up a 401k plan, you open up to tax audits with the IRS. You open up to third-party administration fees and all that kind of stuff. So these are things you open yourself up to, which means it's going to cost you a lot of money, especially if you're a small business. Right mm. with an infinite bank, it doesn't fall under the ERISA plan, so you could customize it for one employee at a time. In other words, whatever I do for you, I don't have to do for everybody else.
0: So I'm like, oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Now we we thinking on a different playing field, right? So 100%, yeah, 100%. I love it. I love it. And before you go on to problems, what about? So we had a question that came in about age. You know, just like when you're setting up any insurance plan, you know, sometimes the higher Uh, The older the person is, the higher the premiums are or something like that. Is there anything that we have to take into account when it comes to infinite banking and age and health of the person?
1: Great question. Traditionally speaking, that is true. When it comes to infinite banking, that's not the case. And let me tell you why. Usually the formula is age, premium, and then death benefit. Based on your age, we're looking to buy the same amount of death benefit Therefore, it affects our costs or it affects our premium.
0: Okay, 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 got you. Okay.
1: And that's because we're all trying to, so you and I, so let's say if you're older than me, if you're 10 years my senior, and I, I'm not saying you are, just an example for everybody <laughs> to see, right? If you're 10 years my senior, then if you and I are looking to purchase a half a million dollars, then our premium is gonna reflect that difference, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're both applying for a half a million dollars. But if you and I are coming in at $100,000 to put into our infinite bank, then the cost doesn't affect us the same because now the death benefit is going to be adjusted to fit 100000 to my age and 100000 to your age. Therefore, the cost of insurance balances out. So in that sense, it doesn't apply because we're trying to come in with large sums of cash with the least amount of death benefit possible. So it'll balance itself out so you won't have to worry about it.
0: This is a whole course today. Okay, okay, so now we got to get to, I think what's the, mo- the most important part is the problems, right? What so, are the things that people need to look out for?
1: So when it comes to problems, what's happening is infinite banking is becoming popular, and but it's becoming popular as a catchphrase. And the reason why I say that is because, unfortunately... Over 80 to 85% of agents in the industry do not know how to set up a policy properly. So one of the things that you gotta look out for is you gotta look out for somebody who can actually answer the proper questions so that you know that they can set up your policy correctly. Or I can make it easy for you, just holler at me and my team and we got you. Hey, right? hey, man, that's the easy it. way to go. But and realistically speaking, I know that everybody ain't gonna come to me. So the main thing is you gotta make sure that you're speaking to an agent correctly because if not, here's what can happen. You could open up your policy for 100 grand. So you can say you're going to put in 100 grand, but if the agent sets it up improperly, the agent will get paid on 100 grand and you eat up the cost. Now, you don't even get the chance to benefit from it. You can't borrow from it. So you might have heard people say, oh, well, infinite banking doesn't work because you got to wait five, 10 years for the policy to benefit. Well, that's because the agent screwed them over. If I'm just being blunt. Right. If you if you have to wait that long for infinite banking to work for you, you have to wait that long for infinite banking to work for you. And you're putting in a sizable amount. That means the agent is making a commission. Right. Mm -hmm. So even though infinite banking is great, like anything else, you got to make sure you do your study so you know what's going on so you don't get ripped off because there's going to be people that's going to take advantage of that. There's going to be agents to take advantage of that. That's just that goes with anything, just like real estate, just like credit, whatever the case may be. The other problem is the one thing you have to be clear about is infinite banking is a concept, not a product, which also means it's not an investment. You yeah. just have the ability to use it as an investment strategy. The reason why that's important for you to understand is because, being that it has life insurance, you have to pay a premium. Being that you have to pay a premium, if we set up correctly, you could bypass a couple of years or a couple of months. But in the first year, you got to make sure you can meet that. You got to make sure you can meet that demand that you created a contract for. Because if not, your policy can lapse. Just like a regular insurance policy, and that means you can also lose your money. That is something you want to make sure you're aware of. And then the last problem I would mention is you do have to qualify for it. So they're not just going to hand it to you. You got to qualify for it, and that's based off your age and your health, right? So, yeah, I I would say those are the main problems that you need to look out for. Number one, it is insurance, so we got to make sure that we, well, you got to qualify for it. Number two, because it's insurance, we got to make sure that you're funding it properly. So in other words, we got to take a look at your finances, see what you got, see what you can do. And we design around that accordingly. And then number three, like we talked about, somebody structuring it so you don't get ripped off.
0: Okay, okay. And and one last question towards that. What would you say is uh, you gave one when you said that if you're putting in a sizable amount and you have to wait a certain, uh, you know, how however long before you, it can actually benefit you. But what's another red flag that somebody would be able to recognize and say, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if this agent really knows what they're doing related to uh, infinite banking. Like, What's a, a marker that somebody would see and then say, hey, maybe I need to check out Hassani?
1: Great question. One of the things I would ask him is, ask the agent about the tax laws. Because if they know the tax laws, then that means they know how to structure it to make sure you get the biggest benefit. Okay. What are the tax laws that I need to be aware of so that I can create the biggest plan that's a benefit for me? That's tax laws, L-A-W-S. And so, if the agents aware of the tax laws that's put in place, then they're going to be familiar with what you need to do to make sure that you can create the biggest policy possible, and make sure you don't break the tax laws so it can stay tax free. Oh, that's another problem. So, if being that it's a tax insu- or being that it's an insurance policy, let's say that ten years from now you have. $5 million in the account, and you want to take out all the $5 million and you want to shut down the account. That's foolish in my opinion, but you don't want to do that. If you do that, you no longer have the insurance sheltering your funds to make it all tax-free. If you do that, the IRS has a right to come up to you, say, where did you get this $5 million from? And you can say, oh, I got it from my insurance policy. The fact that it's shut down, they have the right to tax you on all that $5 million and retro tax you for all those years that you had. So you don't want to get it now and then shut it down later. That's breaking the tax laws, right? And so if an agent doesn't know the tax they'll be like, what are you talking about? Right? You don't want them. If they don't know what a MEC is, you don't want them, right? MEC. Yeah, MEC, Modified Endowment Contract. If they don't know Modified. what that is and how to create a plan around that, you don't want them. And the last thing I'll say to that is I created a free do-it-yourself infinite bank audit guide. In that guide, it teaches you the vocabulary and what to say where you can call the insurance company and ask what kind of plan you currently have. And that also tells you how to communicate to the agent. If they don't know what a guideline single premium is, if they don't know what seven pay is or the maximum you can put into the policy, then you don't need to work with them. But these are simple vocabulary words that they should know.
0: Okay. okay. And we'll wrap up with this last question, but could someone utilize the establishment of an infinite bank to funnel in an inheritance earning to avoid higher amounts of taxation?
1: In general, the answer to that would be no, because usually when you're putting money inside of an infinite bank, it's with after-tax dollars, right? Hmm. Now, the only way that would work is, is if your inheritance is being funneled through a trust, and because it's being funneled through a trust, it's essentially tax-free. Then from there, you could put it inside your infinite bank. Now it's going in tax-free. Is growing tax free and you can still pull it out tax free. That's the baddest plan in the land. So, when you want to talk about protection and all that kind of stuff, that's the ultimate protection combining your infinite bank with the trust.
0: With a trust. Ooh, okay, okay. Asani, bro, this, and, and I've spoken to you so many times about these things, but. Every single time, I'm like, "Oh man, this
1: is amazing! <laughs> I love it! I love it, man!" But tell the people
0: where they can find
1: you. Yeah, so you guys can find me on Instagram. That's the place I'm most active at. HC Houston Twelve. We're starting a YouTube channel. We're start. Uh, it was spend the same dollar twice, and uh, you can also find us on TikTok, Facebook. But and it's basically the same call, HC Houston Twelve or Sonny Houston. So that's HZ. the best place to find me.
0: Yep. HZ Houston 12. There we yep. go. On all platforms, basically. And we'll yep. drop that definitely in the in the uh, caption below. Asani, it's been a pleasure, man. That was a great insight into infinite banking. You helped us to expose the insurance industry today. And yes, as always, bro, it's a pleasure having any conversation with you, man. Now, whenever I have a guest on, I have to ask them two questions before we wrap up. One. Go ahead. Are you going to buy businesses?
1: Absolutely. I'm more in the works of it. Absolutely.
0: There we go. And you're, you're part of the BBI, the uh, you know my Business Builders Institute, uh, where we teach how to acquire businesses for no money out of your pocket already anyway. So I know you're going to do it. So yes, uh, yeah, I have yeah. to ask that. But the second question, I plan on creating a trillion dollar table by the end of this decade. I want to Mm. sit in a room at a table with other entrepreneurs, especially the average person, people that look like us and such, where we have a trillion dollars assets under management, AUM, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you have a trillion dollars in your pocket, but our combined assets that we manage, the businesses, the real estate, our insurance policies, everything combined up to
1: a trillion dollars. Will you be a part of this table? I have no problem with it, brother. That's powerful. There you we make go. me think, okay, uh, what kind of impact could we make with a trillion? That, that's a big number.
0: There we go. And I don't
1: think people realize how big a trillion dollars really is. And more importantly,
0: I don't think people believe how attainable this challenge really is. Because when it's they attainable. hear that, they, they hear, oh, trillion dollars, that's that's crazy. No, it's not. We could make no, it, it happen not. with these type of uh, strategies that we're discussing right now.
1: Absolutely, without a doubt. Because you put a plan together how people could become a billionaire Within sure. less than five years. So, anyways, to answer your question, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, I could be a part of it. I would love to be a part of it, and yes, that is more than attainable because in a short amount of time, we're going to get access to people that are worth a hundred billion dollars. We're seeing that now, where that's becoming the norm for the top people that's being worth something. So when they push up to a trillion in net worth, we're going to have more people at, at more people accessible that mm-hmm. are going to be worth ten billion dollars, uh, fifty billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars. That's more than possible, brother. Absolutely. Here we go. Here we go. Love to hear it. So we're coming back to this episode
0: and at the end of this year, at the end of this decade, which is uh what eight years away, and we're yes, gonna be right. like, Yep, Hasani said it that he will yes. be part of the table and he is he's gonna
1: be there. <laughs> yes indeed. Yes indeed. Do you mind if right. I recap one thing before we go out? Sure. I just want to make sure y'all understand something. When we talk about the power of infinite banking, y'all, we're talking about three things leverage. Control and peace of mind. Leverage, control, and peace of mind. If you're an entrepreneur, you have 100 grand, you borrow 30, that drops to 70. But with infinite banking, you borrow 30, that still is $100,000. So, and then and people say, well, man, that's crazy because that's still a loan. Yes, you're going to have that 30,000 at 5% interest, but you control if and when you want to pay that money back, y'all. Mm. You control it. And we know as entrepreneurs, sometimes folks don't, things don't go on our schedule, yeah. but we'll get to it eventually. You have the ability to choose that timeline as an entrepreneur because you're in control of when you pay that money back, right? Mm. And then we already talked about the leverage. And then the peace of mind is if you pay it back, you make more money. If you don't, they take the difference from your death benefit anyways. So you're not required. Mm. That's what you want to remember. So y'all need to click that link down below and make sure you get that class where we talked about that in more detail. B's got that situated for y'all, but I want to make sure I remind you guys of the power of what we're talking about when we're doing things like this.
0: Yes, sir. Let's go, bro. Hey, man, it was a pleasure and an honor having you on here. Always great conversation. Thank you, you, my brother. And let's get building, buying, and getting to that trillion dollar tape.
1: Yes, sir. I'm with it. Thank you, everybody,
0: for another episode of Entrepreneurship Exposed. I'll see y'all next week.